Welcome to Discovering You, a podcast that explores the intricacies of personality and how it impacts the way we navigate through life. What will you discover today? Hi, listeners. Hi, Heather. Hi. Today's episode is on mindset. Before I get to that, you know what's coming. It's time for this month's DISC comparison. The Emmy Awards are next week, so today it's going to be DISC according to characters on Emmy-nominated TV shows. I don't watch all the shows, so I'm going to stick to the ones that I know well. In this case, Ozark and The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Heather, do you watch either of these? I do watch Ozark, and now I'm going to start watching The Marvelous <laughs> Mrs. Maisel. Yeah, I feel like especially the first couple of seasons are amazing. Okay. The fictional character that I think best represents Heidi is Wendy Bird on Ozark. Wendy may not have started out as a Heidi when the show began, but she certainly became one by the last couple of seasons. Wendy cuts right to the chase. She embraces risk and she isn't afraid to take action. For High Eye, the character is Miriam Maisel on The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. She's charming, outgoing, spontaneous, and loves to talk and share stories. If you don't watch, these attributes are what drew her to become a stand-up comedian. For High S, we're back to Ozark. It's Marty Bird. Is anyone ever having a more stressful day with higher stakes than Marty? I think not. But you wouldn't know it. His demeanor is very calm and stoic. No matter what gets thrown at him, he handles it steadfastly and forges ahead. And the character that represents High C, we're back to Mrs. Maisel, is Abe Weissman. He's very intellectual. He is a professor with a strong sense of what's right and wrong. He applies logic to his decision making and has very high standards for himself and others. His character, juxtaposed to his daughter, the high eye, is hilarious. Okay, back to today's topic, mindset. There's a lot of research on this topic, and one of the leading experts is Carol Dweck, who wrote the best-selling book, Mindset, The New Psychology of Success. She holds a PhD, and as well as being a researcher and speaker, she's a professor of psychology at Stanford University. I think it's a really good time to be exploring this concept, as for many, today is the first day back to school, so it's a new start or fresh beginning and a great time to focus on the power of our mindsets. Professor Dweck is a valuable resource for students and parents and has also created helpful tools for teachers. What do I mean when I say mindset? Dweck tells the story of how she stumbled upon this concept. She was already a professor of psychology at the time. And she was trying to understand why some students were focused on proving their ability, while others didn't care about that and instead focused on learning. She breaks down a multitude of data and research into two types of mindsets. She categorizes them as a fixed mindset and a growth mindset. In the first mindset, the viewpoint is that traits are fixed and success is about proving that you're smart or talented. If you have to put a lot of effort into something, it indicates that you're not naturally intelligent or good at it. If you were, you wouldn't need effort. In the second mindset, the viewpoint is that qualities change and you can stretch to develop skills and learn something new. 
This growth mindset believes that effort is what makes you smart or talented. So a very different outlook than the first one. This way of thinking ties into our last episode where I talked about grit, which is not about natural ability, but perseverance and tenacity. In other words, ongoing effort. It may interest you to know that Carol Dweck had a light bulb moment herself when she discovered the theory of mindsets. She became acutely aware that for most of her life, she had operated with a fixed mindset. Recently, I was talking to a very experienced business and life coach who commented that we often teach what we need to learn the most. This was definitely true in Carol's case, and I would add my name to this too. I first read Mindset about five years ago, and it had a huge impact on my outlook. I also had that moment where I realized that growing up and in school, my mindset fell into the fixed category. I think there are a variety of reasons why that was probably more common then versus now. There was a lot of sweeping statements and labeling like, oh, you're just not a math person. So I have definitely walked around with that belief since elementary school. Do I think underneath I really am a math genius? No. (laughs) But if the system didn't just reward kids who got it right away versus someone who didn't get it yet, it may have been different. Some people are innately talented and quick at math, but that doesn't mean someone who isn't can't achieve a similar level with effort. Dweck has a TED Talk where she discusses the power of yet. When I think back to my elementary school experience, when trying to solve a complex math problem, instead of thinking, am I not smart enough to solve it? If it was shifted to, have I not solved it yet? That may have changed things as it puts the emphasis on the effort and the learning and not on some innate fixed trait. I'm curious, Heather, would you say you had a fixed or growth mindset growing up? I think similarly, I also had a fixed mindset in school. Mm. I also experienced being labeled getting good grades and test taking was easy for me. So I feel like I was, I didn't put a lot of effort into school. Mm. Learning, however, was a different story. School was easy. That's really interesting because, and as we'll get to, having a positive quote, label can be just as detrimental than a negative one because that kind of messes with you too. And I'm going to talk about a study uh, where that exact thing happened with students. Listeners, if you're curious, if you want to answer this question for yourself, there's a quick quiz you can do to find out. So I'm going to read four statements and you can take note of whether you mostly agree or disagree with them. Number one, your intelligence is something very basic about you that you can't change very much. Remember, you're thinking, do you mostly agree with this or disagree? Number two, you can learn new things, but you can't really change how intelligent you are. Number three, no matter how much intelligence you have, you can always change it quite a bit. Number four, you can always substantially change how intelligent you are. All right, give you a minute to figure those out. If you mostly agreed with statements one and two, this indicates a fixed mindset. And if you agreed with three and four, that's a growth mindset. It's also possible for you to have answered one in fixed and one in growth. In my case, I'm a mixture. I answered with a growth mindset for three out of four. How about you, Heather? I agreed with three and four, and I disagreed with one and two on this scale. Full growth mindset for you on this one. 
the first time through. But then when I thought about it, I was like, what does intelligence actually mean? (laughs) I guess for me, it's the definition of what the words are, because intelligence and learning could mean different things to different people. And me now, as opposed to me in school, I think I was intelligent in school, but I think I learn now. Oh, interesting. Okay. So yeah, that's evolving for you. I love that. It's also possible to have a growth mindset in one area of your life and a fixed in another. So that could be what we're talking about, Heather. And I know that comes into play with me. It's not just about your abilities. It's personal qualities too. I'm going to read another four statements, this time about personality and character. And again, you can decide whether you mostly agree or disagree with each. Number one, you are a certain kind of person and there is not much that can be done to really change that. Two, no matter what kind of person you are, you can always change substantially. Three, you can do things differently, but the important parts of who you are can't really be changed. Four, you can always change basic things about the kind of person you are. In this case, questions one and three are fixed mindset, and questions two and four reflect the growth mindset. Which ones did you agree with more? And was it different to the way you scored your intelligence mindset? So in this case, I was evenly split between fixed and growth in this one. So I still have some work to do. I think I have a sense of why I'm answering this way, though. And as always, I'm going to connect this to DISC. We've touched on this in past episodes, but I think your DISC factors play a large role in determining how you answer the questions. I've mentioned this theory in relation to the EQ questionnaire. Remember, Heather, I think this factored into how you answered it. Yes, absolutely. And I always forget this layer of it all. (laughs) So in terms of that second one, how did your scores come out? Were you evenly split? Were you all growth or fixed? I disagreed with the first one and then agreed with the next three. Okay. What I'm getting at here, and for those of you who have been loyal listeners, you'll probably know our profile. So Heather does have a high C. She's also got a high D. But here's what I want to say about that. High Cs tend to be harder on themselves and have very high standards. This is the perfectionism piece of C. Because of this, they answer questions on a scale more conservatively. If they believe they are good at something, instead of giving themselves a 10 out of 10, they will choose 8 or 9 because to them, 10 is literally perfect with no room for any nuance or error. With the mindset questions, I think that C's again, and also D's, will be taking the statements very literally. And if one word isn't quite right, they will feel the need to answer it as disagree. Now, having said that, the reasons for this differ between C and D. For C's, it's because they feel they can't live up to that one facet or quality that's being described. It's about not being perfect enough. With D's, if they see one word that doesn't seem fitting, it's easy for them to just rule it out because they are quick to decide. They don't feel the need to mull it over and reflect. In this case, and I I also have a high C in my profile, the word that's throwing me off in the statements is substantially. I have a hard time being fully on board agreeing completely with that word. Do you feel that way too, Heather? As always, I'm still learning the disc side of everything, but here's my take on it for myself. Okay. The first time I read through the questions, I think my high D came forward and I just picked the obvious answers. Mm. I just went through, picked. (laughs) 
Then when I went back a second time to dissect the questions, I think my high C mm. stepped forward and had more questions yeah. about the questions themselves. <laughs> For example, in the one question where it says, no matter what kind of person you are, yeah. you can always change substantially. Where I took issue was, what does what kind of person mm. mean? Or in the other one where it says important parts of you. Yeah. Like, what does that mean? Is that your values? Is that your personality? Yeah. So then I was like wavering. And this is a internal conflict I have with myself on right. the regular. <laughs> and we've talked about this. Listeners, Heather's got one of those disc profiles where it is actually contradictory in nature because her high C and her high D are quite opposite, yet they're on the same level. So she always sort of has to say, is my C in control today or is my D in control today? That's just one of the fun nuances. But I like how you were certain parts of it were tripping you up versus the different words were tripping me up. It's interesting. And listeners, I would love if you want to send in this as a question or, or a comment, especially if you know your profile. Did you get tripped up by those words? Did that change the way that you answered the scale? I would really love to know that. Okay, that was a bit of a detour. But back to understanding mindset differences. If you've discovered that your mindset aligns with fixed, don't worry. It doesn't have to stay that way. You have a choice. Mindsets are beliefs that we hold in our mind. And guess what? We can change our mind. Remember the power of yet. With a tough problem, equation, exercise, are you not smart enough to solve it? Or have you not solved it yet? I love how reframing this can change the outlook completely. You may be asking, well, why would I want to change my mindset? Here are some implications that come with the fixed mindset. Mindsets change the meaning of failure. I don't know about you, but when I read that, it got my attention. In a fixed mindset, there is danger of failure being transformed from an action, I failed, to an identity, I am a failure. Quite a difference, right? Professor Dweck says, when people believe in fixed traits, they are always in danger of being measured by failure. It can define them in a permanent way. When people believe their basic qualities can be developed, failure will still hurt, but it won't define them. If change and growth are possible, then there are still many paths to success. Another benefit of having a growth mindset is that it changes the meaning of effort. Remember the tortoise and hare and the little engine that could stories from childhood? Dweck references them to make a poignant observation concerning effort. The tales were clearly constructed with the intention of praising effort. Ironically, the message that comes through, though, is that effort is for plotters, and when talented people drop the ball, the plotter can sneak through. The problem is that these stories set it up as an either-or. Either you have ability, or you expend effort. This is very much a fixed mindset. Effort is for those who don't have the ability. If you have to work at something, you must not be good at it. Do you see what the impact of that mindset is? To go even further, there are studies that show the difference in praising kids for their effort versus their talent. One particular study was conducted amongst early adolescents. All the participants were given a set of 10 fairly difficult problems to solve. After answering the questions, half of the group were praised for their ability. Wow, you got eight right. That's a really good score. You must be very smart. The other half were praised for their effort. Wow, you got eight right. That's a really good score. You must have worked really hard. They were not made to feel that they had some special ability, 
but rather that they were praised for doing what it takes to succeed. Both groups were exactly equal when they began the exercise, but after receiving praise, the groups differed. The group praised for their ability began to show a fixed mindset. When they were given a choice to undergo a challenging new task that they could learn from, they declined. They didn't want to take the chance that they may get something wrong in the new challenge and potentially expose that they were not as smart as they had originally been perceived to be. In contrast, the group praised for their effort, 90% of them accepted the new tasks that they could learn from. In the next step of the study, the students were given a new set of problems which were very difficult and they didn't do well. The ability group now thought they were not so smart after all. For them, their prior success had meant they were intelligent, so this lack of success must mean they were deficient. The effort group viewed it as an exciting challenge that they could potentially solve by applying more effort or trying new strategies. They didn't view it as a failure, and they didn't think it reflected on their intellect. Now, enter into the equation the component of enjoyment. After the first round, with the successes, both groups loved the problems. But after the difficult problems, the ability group said it wasn't fun anymore. And how could it be fun when their special talent was now in jeopardy? The effort group still loved the problems, and many of them said the harder problems were the most fun. Finally, add performance into this equation. What do you think happened? The performance of the ability-praised group plummeted, even when they were given some easier problems. They were losing faith in their ability and were doing worse than when they started. But the effort-praised group showed better and better performance. They had used the harder problems to sharpen their skills, and when they returned to the easier ones, they were way ahead. Pretty powerful stuff, right? In the fixed mindset, both positive and negative labels can be detrimental. When you're given a positive label, you're afraid of losing it. And when you're given a negative label, you're afraid that you deserve it. Dweck sums up the mindsets like this. A fixed mindset believes intelligence is static, which leads to a desire to look smart and a tendency to avoid challenges. As a result, they may plateau early and achieve less than their full potential. A growth mindset believes intelligence can be developed, which leads to a desire to learn and embrace challenges. As a result, they often reach even higher levels of achievement. How do you work on changing your mindset from fixed to growth? Remember, this is ever-evolving, and it's possible to have a fixed mindset in one area of your life and a growth in another. It's also possible for your mindset to change over time. Just learning about the growth mindset can shift the way people think of themselves. Whether you're aware of it or not, we all have internal monologues. You know, that little voice in your head that says things like, you're not smart enough to figure this out, or you can't run a 10K race, only super athletic people can do that. We are often our own harshest critics. High C's and Enneagram type 1's, listen up. We need to pay attention to that voice. And if it's negative, we need to take control of it and steer the internal monologue from a judging one to a growth-oriented one. Shift the perspective of, I'm not fit enough to do that race, to, if I practice and train, gradually, I will increase my stamina and build up to the point where a race like that is possible. And celebrate the wins along the way. If you start by doing 2K, applaud that. When you get to 5K, celebrate that progress and onwards to the goal of 10. 
It's important to remember that this process is not always easy, and we will continue to bump up against situations where our fixed mindset creeps in. This is normal, and don't view it as a setback, but part of the journey to self-development and progress. We just want to thank everyone. Victoria received a lot of comments on the tribute that she gave to her grandmother in the last episode. So instead of doing a listener question this week, as we normally would, I'm going to read one of the comments that was written. Thank you for sharing the beautiful story of your grandmother. Not only was she an inspiration to you, but I feel inspired just hearing about her. What a strong woman and a perfect role model for grit. That's awesome. Yes, thank you. I did get a lot of comments on this. And that's really nice to know. I'm glad to know that she not only inspired me, but others. And just even with her obituary, when that was posted, all her former dance students, they were all writing in about her. And in the town that she lived in, she lived in Ireland. People kind of said she was like a local celebrity. Uh, So many times people described her as a legend. That sort of warms my heart. And I'm glad that I was able to connect it to this and that other people feel inspired. Thanks, everyone. If you're interested in booking Victoria for a speaking engagement or team facilitation, contact her at discoverwhatworks.org. Thanks for listening. Remember, send in your questions to be featured on a future episode and subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast app.